I would like to share something with you from a book by Mingo Rinpoche. It's actually a student of him who uh, shares an experience. Uh, and uh, as an introduction, Mingo Rinpoche says that this student just went through an incredible crisis in, in her life with divorce and cancer and father died and uh, losing her job <coughs> and so the, the, the real uh, the real uh, big challenge the real big crisis in her life and then she attended um, these retreats with uh, Mingo Rinpoche and then he, uh, she says uh, or she describes to him Working with the pain in this way, so this way is basically, uh, so the practice she is doing is basically a mixture of focused awareness, flexible awareness, and open awareness. Working with the pain in this way, I gradually came to experience, not just intellectually, but on a, on an intuitive, yes, this this is how it is sort of way, that I was not my pain. That I was not my pain. Whoever or whatever I was, was an observer of my thoughts and feelings and the physical sensations they often accompanied them. So whoever or whatever I was, was an observer of my thoughts and feelings and the physical sensations. Of course I experienced grief or loneliness at times, felt some heaviness around my heart or in my stomach, wondered if I had made a terrible mistake and wished I could turn time backwards. <clears throat> But I looked at what was passing through my mind and body and I realized that there was someone or something bigger than these experiences. So this is, uh, so what she is describing here is this really breakthrough in one's practice when you go meta. So when you uh, step out of the entanglement and the identification with the content of your experience and you so you don't disconnect so it's not like dissociation or you know, uh, but you uh, yeah the way she says it makes it maybe quite uh, quite replicable for us when she says that there is something bigger so what does she mean with that There is something bigger. There is something bigger than my my drama. So, so the way she does, uh, she the way she describes here is like a provisional step, because in in the way she describes, so she says the observer. So there is a, this is sometimes also called the observer self. 
this is of course a big step. It's a first step to to liberation, to shift your sense of identity away from the drama into that which is observing the drama. But there's still a sense of identity. There's still kind of I, yeah? so I, like you identify with a certain uh, a certain position. So you identify with a certain position and you call that I. But of course that's that's much that's much uh, peaceful than if you say I and you identify with the miserable I. And you believe in it. So instead if you uh, if you go to if you relax into that which is bigger and you say I so that would be like that would be like saying I am aware of my feelings I am aware of my thoughts I am not my thoughts I am not my feelings obviously not because you are the I who's looking at them. So there, there's, you can't be it. You can't be what you are looking at. It's impossible. Because you have two. The one who's looking and the one and the thing you are looking at. So whatever you are looking at, you are not that. So... I have feelings. I have feelings. I'm this. And this, are, this is my feelings. These two things can't be the same. It's very simple. You don't need to think much around it and you make it a big philosophical thing. So... But uh, in this step, which he is describing, which not many people, not many people have done this, yeah, a sense that you are the container for your experience. You are not the daily soup. You are the bowl. And the daily soup sucks sometimes, really. Too salty, too hot, too cold. Sometimes there's meat inside, even if you're vegan. <laughs> but you are not the daily soup. You are the bowl, the container. You are not the contained. So, so this is the, what is called the observer self. This is what you achieve with mindfulness practice. <coughs> yes. The observer self is that the same as introspective awareness? No, the observer self uh, is the sense of identification. So you identify with that which is looking. So introspective awareness is a mental factor. A capacity. Um, 
So now, I looked at what was passing through my mind and body, and I realized that there was someone or something bigger than this experience. So this could be a bit of something to play with in your in your meditation. So, I mean, this is you know this is not like an enlightened being talking here. This is just you know, this is like someone like us, a, a woman in crisis, who's doing what we are doing, and then she describes her experience. So it's it's not like uh, you know something something uh, uh, extraordinary done by. Tibetan man in red robes or something like this. It's us. Yeah. And she also she didn't do years of retreat or something. <coughs> so when she writes, when she describes in her own words, um, there was someone bigger than this experience. So what does she mean with that? Yeah, so now not thinking about it, but to you know, look in your own experience. So, can you can you confirm that for you, for yourself? Is there something bigger? Yeah. So, uh, does she distance herself from her emotions and feelings by absorbing them? Um, why do you ask that question? Uh, because uh, I can maybe she. No, I'm just curious if mm-hmm. if that makes her less upset by observing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's this is a, this is a good. Uh, uh, I, I try to I try to address this a bit a little bit when I said she this does not mean to disassociate. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's like it's a it's a very subtle point you bring up here. Yeah, so. Uh, and it's often misunderstood, and people who actually don't want to feel their feelings use meditation practice and mi- mindfulness practice to disassociate. You know, it's like uh, it's it, it's a it's a quite common trap we might fall into. Uh, so it's and it's a it's a it's paradoxically paradoxically you step out. But you can feel more, because you can afford to feel more. So it's not like you step out and you feel less. No, you step out of the identification, and because you step out of the identification, you can feel more. So Ken Wilber puts it like that. It hurts you more, but it bothers you less. And it hurts you more because... Suddenly, that grief, which seemed to be such a demon and unmanageable, because you are not it, can be felt. So you feel more, not less. But you are less identified. Thank you. And this is this is also practical, like uh, you know, kind of checking. Okay, is it? Am I? T- Am I too far? Do I remove myself from my experience? But also, how close can I go right now? I know I, I need to go very, very close. And, but uh, can I do that right now without being overwhelmed? And then yesterday I talked about coming from the resource. or 
you don't need to do this alone. You know, so if if what you want, what you need to uh, be with, seems to be unmanageable, get yourself a hand. You know, don't go into the bad neighborhood alone. <laughs> they take a body bodyguard with you, like someone like Mahakala or Yamantaka. <laughs> Medicine Buddha. So, that something was the Luka. Yeah, so, the, that something was the Luka. Ajahn Shah from the Typhorus tradition calls it the one who knows. The one with a big O. Not, so, the one who knows. A presence of mind. So she just uses different words. Yeah? A presence of mind. I also have used the word presence. And again, you have to remember, I'm talking about something I don't know what it is. So if I say presence of mind, I have no clue what I'm talking about. And if you think you have understood what I just said, then you're mistaken. <laughs> ah, yeah, presence of mind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, you can't know. It's not an object of knowledge. You can presence it, you know, in, in, intuitively, kind of non-verbally, you can... You can know, yeah, know uh, in a way, uh, but not uh, like, okay, yeah, now, yeah, okay, what's next? <laughs> Is there something else I can know here? Uh, that something was the look at presence of, of mind that wasn't disturbed by my thoughts, feelings, and sensations. <laughs> This is also a good, you know. So, you know, sometimes it's so helpful to uh, hear people talking about this where we don't need to project kind of, oh, he's the guru or she's the enlightened, awakened being or so. But uh, that, can be, that can be empowering, but quite often it's rather an obstacle. So she's just an ordinary woman, just like us. Yeah. So she says, I, I pressed the wrong, wrong button. Ah, here. Yeah. That something was a look, a presence of mind that wasn't disturbed, that wasn't disturbed by my thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So in your own, in your own sitting here quietly, can you sense that there is something happening which is not disturbed by your sensations, by your thoughts, by your feelings? Is there something there? You know, feel into that, expand yourself. Is there something there? And it can be very subtle, it can be almost unreachable, but can you have a glimpse of that? Yeah. 
is there something, sometimes I call it the stillness, which is always there. You, you know, I say something like, you don't, you don't need to calm down, because peace is already happening, surrounding, pervading, pervading you, underlying. Like, now when I talk, silence is also happening. Otherwise I couldn't talk. There, there needs to be a space. Musicians, they are very aware of that, that silence and music come together. They are twins. There's no silence with music and no music with silence. And music can amplify silence, strangely, in a strange way. You know, like a dog barking in the night when you are in a vast countryside and a dog, a dog barks. And suddenly you become aware, wow, there's so much silence, there's so much space here. Also, sometimes they say, you know, I talk about the ocean, the ocean of calm. Or, so even if we don't feel peaceful, instead of trying to become peaceful, we can switch and we can lean into the peace which is already there, which is not disturbed by the unpeacefulness in our own being. So it's of course, you know, I'm, I'm always like, oh shit, what I'm saying here is just puts pressure on people. Shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then also, if I don't say anything, that also puts pressure on you. So there is no, there is no way out of it. Yeah. But that's not my intention to put pressure. I, I, my intention is to take away pressure. So now comes this, the, the shift into natural awareness. Yeah? So, so far this was all uh, um, uh, focused awareness, flexible awareness, open awareness. And now comes, comes the shift. And it, it sometimes, you know, sometimes, well, quite often even, this shift happens naturally, without the people, you know, having heard about it, or it's just something which happens. It's a shift. It's a shift in consciousness. So, then I started looking for the looker. Yeah? Then I started... So, so far, she was, she, she was identified with the observer self. Yeah, I'm not my feelings, I'm not my thoughts, because I'm observing them. But there was still a big eye sitting there. So, and then at one point, if you do that long enough, of course, kind of naturally, um, the question arises, hmm, yes, okay, but who is that I? It's definitely not the body, because I am aware of the body. It's definitely not this contraction in my heart chakra, because I'm aware of that. It's definitely not my name, because my name can't observe feelings. It's also not my history, 
because I'm aware of my history. So who is that I? Who is that looker? Who is that looker who knows my history, who knows my name, who has my feelings, who is aware of the egoic process happening? Who is that looker? So this question arises naturally. So you ask yourself, okay, where, where am I looking from? Where, where is the looking coming from? Where is the feeling coming from? The hearing coming from? Who is doing that? What's the source? So, it, when you start this inquiry, put all the books about brain and philosophy, put it into the shelves. We, we, don't need, we don't need that stuff. It's actually an obstacle. What we only need is introspection. So we rely not on what other people found and what they sell us as the truth or something like that. So we don't rely on science. So we rely on our own experience, our own introspection. So we become explorer of consciousness within our own consciousness. We, we don't look into a brain of another person to explore consciousness, in this case. Which is silly, but... Uh, so, so it's, uh, it's about experience, looking yourself. So I started looking for the looker. And now, this is very important, and I couldn't find her. I couldn't find her. So now, but it goes further. So I couldn't find her. Does that mean that, that it, I, I don't exist? No, of course not, because something needs, I mean, looking definitely happens. This experience we have now definitely happens. So, uh, not finding the, the looker, not finding her, obviously does not mean that there is nothing. So, then she says, Then I started looking for the looker, looker and I couldn't find her. So this is emptiness. This is meditation on emptiness. So you look for that and you can't find it. It's unfindable because it has no essence. And that is true for everything. But then, it wasn't as if there was nothing there. It wasn't as if there was nothing there. That, that's not... It's not it would, she wouldn't be happy to say, after this experience, to come and say, there's nothing there. She... That doesn't meet the thing, this experience. Nobody ever came away from this experience saying, oh, there's nothing there, don't look. It's horrible, it's like that, this, this empty void. No, nobody. Everyone who comes out of this experience, they, they sing songs, they dance, they build cathedrals, they... Uh, they want to, they dedicate their life to, uh, to share this nothing. They have no other interest anymore. 
that they are 100% interested into nothing. <laughs> Everything else pales. Because that's, that's the Holy Grail. And if you, if you want or not, you are looking for it, because everything else will fail. You will keep on looking. Maybe you still feel there is something else there, no? some, something, some ideas. No? But they will all fail, for sure. Why? Because they are impermanent, they are conditioned, they come and go. They are not a safe home. All other projects. So it, it wasn't as if there was nothing there. There was still this sense of awareness. So this is a very strange place to be in. Because on one hand you want to say there's nothing there, but on the other hand, you know that's completely not the case. But then if you say something um, something more concrete, like there's still this sense of awareness, in that moment when you say, ah, there's still this sense of awareness, you, know, you feel this pain of, no, this is not like that. That's too solid, the sense of awareness. Because when I say the sense of awareness, then you are listening to this as if I'm talking about something you can understand. I have a sense of awareness, I know what that is. So how do you communicate this? <laughs> yeah. So the, the Buddha got away with saying, it's not nothing, but no. It's not something, but it is neither it is. This. How do you do a double negation? So there is neither something there, nor is there nothing there. There is neither something there, nor is there nothing there. Yeah. And, and we go, huh? <laughs> yeah, but you know, either there's something there, or there's nothing there. These are the two possibilities. And the, the Buddha says, no, there is neither something there, nor is there nothing there. And so that, that, that is then the moment where there's a gap. And that's called the middle way. That gap between the two extremes of nihilism and eternalism. So there was still this sense of awareness. And you know, yesterday I talked about the knowingness. No? no matter what you experience, there is the knowingness of the experience. If you feel good, there is a knowingness. If you feel bad, there is a knowingness. And that knowingness remains the same. And in every experience, I don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. <coughs> but one thing is for sure. There will be knowingness. 
I don't know what happened for you to you 10 years ago. But one thing is sure. There was a knowingness of that thing which happened 10 years ago. And I know what that knowingness is. It's the same in me and you. I know exactly what it is. It's very precise. And it's not different. The knowingness, the knowingness in you is the same as the knowingness in me. It's almost as if we both were there and looked. <laughs> that part is the same. There was still the sense of awareness, but I couldn't put a name to it. Yeah, you can't put a name to it. That's what's, what's one of the main themes in the Prajnaparamita Sutras. It is undescribable, it's ungraspable. It's not an object of knowledge. You can't put a name on it. That's the main theme in the Tao Du King, in the Tao Du King. This other wisdom treasure from the Chinese tradition. The Tao can't be named. What you name is not the Tao. Even, even awareness didn't seem to fit. Yeah? So even the word awareness didn't seem to fit. So when I say natural awareness, yeah, I use natural awareness now, it's, I always have this little, hmm, hmm, oh. It's not natural awareness. It's nothing. But this very special nothing. Very special nothing. It seemed too small a world, yeah? Even awareness didn't seem to fit, it seemed too small a world. For just a couple of seconds, so this is, you know, this short moments repeated again and again, it was like the looker the looking and what was being looked at were all the same. I think I say about this sentence later something. The looking and what was being looked at is the same, is experienced as the same. The looker, the looking and what is being looked at is one non-dual. Okay. So that was the meditation. <laughs> was, I talked a bit quick, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I didn't want to give you so much space to think for yourself. <laughs> but uh, let's sit uh, quietly uh, for 15 minutes and then we do some walking meditation so it makes sense to spend some time with arriving reconnecting with the body and the breath and you allow that to happen naturally 
and then you can play in your own pace with focused awareness, flexible awareness and open awareness. And then when there's some space, you can lean into that which is bigger than you. Or you can hear into the stillness. Content of your experience, sounds, feelings, sensations, thoughts, memories, the sense of I, the sense of the body, the mental image of the body, the sense of being located in time and space, all that is content of your experience. Clouds. If you resist what is happening on that level, you suffer. Let everything happen to you. No feeling is final.
the birds, the sky, the earth, the trees. Notice how the birds are happening in the same place in your thoughts and awareness. Notice how this voice is happening in the same place. Then your feelings and awareness. into the background like a piece of chocolate in the sun. You stabilize yourself with the breath, the sounds, with a pleasant or unpleasant sensation in your body.
is the possibility sometimes to use the question with the Luca. Those short moments with the Luca. Where is the looking coming from? What's the source? And then pause in the non-finding of the looker. And if that is confusing for you, you return to the breath. But what is the way of the breathing? get a sense of the content of your experience, the stream coming and going, sense data and thoughts, feelings, and then very naturally you get a sense that that which is aware of the content is bigger, it must be, it contains the the thoughts, feelings, sensations.
contained changes. Your thoughts change, the feelings change, the sounds change. But that which is aware does not change. It is just aware. That which is aware is bigger than the bird singing. It contains the singing. And it is not disturbed by the singing. It's not filled up by the singing. It's actually infinite. remains when the sound is gone. So another one can appear. sound is gone, the field of awareness remains unchanged. Do you find a boundary between you and the world?
Is she not singing in your heart? And am I not talking in your heart? Where's the boundary between you and me? Between this voice and you? Where's the bird singing? So let's uh, do some walking. Also here the possibility to play with uh, focused awareness, flexible awareness and open awareness, depending on your preferences, depending on your needs. And then of course, who is walking? walking. I. But what do you mean with I? <laughs> 